welcome to the Arizona Daily Star's Opinion Page Podcast. The point being, uh, I'm Sarah Garrett-Gasson. I'm the Opinion Page Editor. And today we have a special show because we're here with the three candidates for mayor for Tucson. And they are going to introduce themselves momentarily. Uh, just to get a sense of everyone who's in the room, let's go around and introduce ourselves. To my right is Jill Jordan-Spitz. Hi, Tucson. She is our editor. Then we have Edward Salaya. How's it going, folks? Then Steve Farley. Hey, great to be here. Regina Romero. Thank you for having me. Randy Dorman. Thank you for having me here. Joe Ferguson from our political team. Excited to be here. And we have John Deerlando. Hello, everyone. He is our publisher and CEO. And then we have Holly Correa, who is our senior editor for news. Hello. So uh, let's give everyone, uh, what we'll do is everyone will have about a minute to do an opening statement, and we'll ask subsequent questions with each of you rotating who goes first, and I will say that I will screw that up, so (laughs) please don't hesitate to to let me know that I've called on the wrong person. So, okay, yes, and um, so I will, so Randy, why don't we start with you? Thanks. So I'm Randy Dorman, and I'm running for mayor of Tucson because I think Tucson has limitless potential, and I'm frustrated that we often settle for the status quo and are reactive instead of proactive about creating opportunity here. We have low job growth, we have a high rate of poverty, and we should be doing so much better. I think the key is really leading with vision and turning Tucson into a thriving 21st century city, I plan to focus on growing our economy, creating more and better paying jobs, on smart growth, which is planning for our growth while balancing that with protecting our neighborhoods and our culture, and focusing on sustainability. Um, I am not here to play politics as usual. I am here to lead Tucson with vision, and thank you for having me. Excellent. Thank you. Regina Romero. Absolutely. I'm Regina Romero, and I am running for mayor of Tucson because I believe that we all deserve a safe, clean, just, sustainable city with economic opportunity for everyone. Um, What differentiates me from um, my other opponents is that I'm the only Democrat that's running as a clean elections candidate, Um, and I think that's important, uh, too. Um, that I have been here on the Tucson City Council. I have almost 12 years of experience. I know the budget up and down. I I know our bureaucracy. I know our neighborhoods, the needs uh, of our community. Um, And what we've done amazing things in and where we need to go. Uh, I want to work on a, uh, my vision for Tucson is, um, is, uh, creating a bold climate action plan because without a livable community, uh, we cannot expand on economic development, which I want to work with. Um, I want to make sure that we continue working on quality of life issues and um, I'm prepared, I'm ready, I'm qualified and I want to start the job from day one. Thank you. Steve. Well, thank you. I'm Steve Farley and I'm really excited about the opportunity to be able to lead this city of passionate, creative people uh, to uh, be able to work together and solve our problems creatively. I'm an artist. I'm the guy who did those murals downtown, the big black and white photo murals of people walking down the street on Broadway just east of downtown. So I think about things a little bit differently. 
But I also have extensive uh, legislative experience where I spent six years in the House, six years in the Senate, where I had a reputation of being able to work across the aisle, get people to stop fighting and get things done. When President Obama rolled out the Affordable Care Act, nobody thought we would get it done in Arizona, but I helped lead the coalition that uh, expanded Medicaid to 400,000 people and kept our hospitals afloat. And last year during Red for Ed, I was able to leverage the power that the teachers uh, wielded marching on the Capitol to uh, get $415 million in new funding for public schools this year alone. I also was a guy who worked to be able to get people to stop fighting about transportation before before 2006 and uh, led the campaign effort that successfully for the first time in 40 years enacted a regional transportation plan in the RTA. So I think I can use my experience, my knowledge, my creative problem-solving skills to be able to move our city forward. Thank you. So um, our first question is... And remember, these are from us, but also from our readers. So uh, what is the biggest obstacle facing Tucsonans right now? And what specifically would you do as mayor to address it? And I think, Regina, you're up first. I believe sincerely that climate change is one of the biggest obstacles for our city and our state um, to move forward. Uh, I, I have a, a bold climate action plan that, as mayor, I want to enact immediately, work with the University of Arizona, uh, with, um, with uh, uh, stakeholders in the community, uh, to plant a million trees by 2030, to do massive amounts of solar installations in our city buildings, uh, to electrify our bus system and our vehicle fleet. Climate change is not only uh, damaging our, um, our environment, but it is also a public health hazard. And so working with Pima County Health Department uh, and the federal government so that we um, find solutions to take care of the most vulnerable communities affected by climate change. And those are seniors, children, um, women, and low-income communities. And so... Uh, create respite uh, cooling off stations, I would say, um, for seniors and children uh, to be able to go to our senior centers and our uh, neighborhood centers to cool off uh, and work with, uh, with the state and the federal government uh, to make sure that we're bringing in any funding that we can tap into uh, to change our carbon food footprint in the city of Tucson. We can do something about it. And then, of course, from there, in parallel, we have to work on um, creating high-wage long-term jobs, which I have been doing for the past 12 years on the city council, uh, continuing to invest in quality of life issues, our roads, finding a long-term strategy for our roads. So, uh, but, but climate change and acting boldly on climate is something that we have to pay attention to and um, moved, moved swiftly to, uh, to do something about it and fight climate change. Okay, Steve, same question. I think one of the major issues that's really underlying a lot of the things that, uh, that we're struggling with is over the last two and a half years, people have really taken a hit to the idea that government can do anything, in large part because of what we've seen out of Washington, D.C. Uh, we see a, a, a huge ugliness and polarization coming up in our politics where people... In, in Washington, certainly aren't solving immigration issues, making it worse. They aren't solving problems with jobs or health care. Uh, everyone's afraid of losing their health care now. Uh, there's a whole series of things that follow from people really losing their faith in the ability of us to be able to solve problems. 
it's clear that in Tucson, we're not going to be able to count on our federal government to be, be able to help us out in, unless things change there, which means we're going to have to do a lot of stuff on our own. That includes transportation, health care, jobs, education. And, and these are things that affect people's everyday lives. So I think what people are looking for is somebody with a track record of being able to work together, even across the aisle, as I've been able to prove in the legislature to get things done. I mean, I don't think there has been a mayor in uh, Tucson history who has ever been in the legislature. So the, the knowledge I have of the processes up there and the relationships I have even across the aisle and my track record of being able to get stuff done is, is important. And, and that means that we could even transform that relationship. Too often the legislature attacks Tucson time and time again. I think with me as mayor, that's less likely to happen. We can stop the attacks before they begin. And we might even be able to move forward on things that we need to work on together. So uh, I think that type of vibe of actually the voters I've talked to, they want us to just stop fighting and solve our problems and really work together and get this stuff done. And with what I've done with the, the, the Medicaid expansion, with uh, funding our public education, then we need to do a lot more on that, um, as well as the uh, RTA and regional transportation. Uh, we can get stuff done. Uh, and I have the track record of being able to make that happen. I think our biggest hurdle is really our weak economy. So many people are suffering and it holds us back from having the roads that we want, the parks that we want, the public safety that we want because we don't have enough money in our budget. I've been a businesswoman for 30 years. Um, I used to work with multi-billion dollar companies in New York, helping them grow and I have my own business here. I really understand economic development. So my primary focus is going to be on creating more and better paying jobs. I'd like to turn our economic development department into an economic hub for local, small and medium-sized businesses, as well as our startup uh, businesses. Everything that they need to grow, we've made it hard to do business here. We can provide them with best practices in attracting and retaining employees, education in IT, and marketing. We can connect them to the great job training programs at JTED, Pima Community College, and the U of A. I'd like us to have a centralized job posting program that isn't just um, here, but also is accessible to NAU and ASU, because we have to think of ourselves to be really successful as a region and not just as a city. We should be the conduit to microloans and uh, small business loans as well. We also have to attract new businesses here. And I look forward to working with Sun Corridor, not just in reacting to um, inquiries, but being proactive. I've worked all over the world, and I want to use that uh, to bring the right kind of businesses here. We really need that to create the opportunities for our kids. Um, we also need to act more like a region, and there are redundancies that we can reduce in planning and development services in the parks and stop acting like silos uh, between the city and the county to create more opportunity. So the second question is going to come from me. Um, what is the most effective tool you believe that the city has to build a, an economic development across Tucson, and how would you use that tool? I believe the first one on this one, Steve. I think the most effective uh, tool for any economic development is education. 
and uh, probably our biggest economic engine here in Tucson is the University of Arizona. I don't think we have leveraged that tool as well as we should. Uh, I think that there are graduates graduating every day and graduate students, undergrads, who have great ideas for new businesses that could totally transform entire industries, and too many of them are leaving Tucson. I think we should be finding ways to be able to keep them here. I'd love to be able to uh, do an exit interview strategy with uh, the University of Arizona to find out why people aren't deciding to, to stay here in Tucson, because we, we have a real problem with millennials leaving Tucson. I mean, that's historically been an issue. People retire here. They come back here when it's time to raise their families, but they don't stay here during the most generative phase in terms of economic development. I think we can, we can encourage ways of making that happen. I'd love to have a, a, a short tank type competition where we get people together to fund a program where you have university students who have business ideas compete, and then whoever wins gets their student debt forgiven. I think there's innovative things you can do to be able to encourage people to stay here. That's very much like uh, the uh, AmeriCorps model. Uh, and they promise to have their business here for five years, and that helps us develop our business. I believe in entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. I think it's absolutely key. And education at every level needs to be undermining, under, under, underlying all of this, uh, especially I think, we, I think we need to do universal preschool. I'm a strong supporter of that, and I think we ought to be using things like social impact bonds to pay for it. Uh, I'd like to do more innovative finance to be able to underwrite our education system. If our, if our state is, isn't going to fulfill their, their uh, complete requirements to be able to fund our education system at every level, then we're going to have to find ways to get that done ourselves. And I think there are creative ways like social impact bonds where we can raise investors instead of raising taxes to be able to, under, to uh, underlie the entire system. Okay. Um, so to, to create more economic development, um, I've talked about really transforming our economic development department, department into a hub um, for all things that local businesses and the startups need to grow. Um, attracting more businesses here, uh, and regional collaboration. So the silos that exist between the city and the county are really counterproductive and largely rooted in ego. Um, I have spoken at length with both Mike Ortega and Chuck Huckleberry about how we can work better together. We've identified several areas where there are redundancies that, um, and we can create efficiencies in Planning and development services in the parks, maybe even in the lower courts. Right now, when you go to planning and development services, you go to one side for the city, you get your approvals, you have to go to the other side for the county. Uh, they don't always talk together. We can not only reduce redundancies, but create a better end product um, and create a more timely process, uh, which they both agree. We need to create ecosystems of industry here because lots of times we'll have a, a one big company and we put all our eggs in that basket. But people want to know that they can have a career here, not a job. We have some natural fits like aerospace, health and wellness, um, even creative industries and the arts. I'd like to meet with the um, the business groups and determine which are the sectors that we want to actively focus on, attract and grow specifically businesses in those industries so that people can really have a career and not just a job. When you have ecosystems, um, businesses have friendly competition and it fosters innovation as well. And then just lastly, our downtown 
has been a very important economic development tool. I've been involved with that leading the way for the past 20 years. You know, I've led um, the city council in creating an economic recovery plan uh, when we were starting the economic recession that we went through. It was a horrible recession. And um, I had to move and, and uh, move quickly on creating an economic uh, recovery plan. From that came the creation of an, an economic incentives office, came the creation of a primary job incentive program, came the creation of our infill incentive district. And because of that and 20 other incentives that we've created, um, we have seen tremendous job growth in the city of Tucson, thousands of high-wage, long-term jobs created here. Um, I know where we've done good. You know, the investment in our downtown, I personally worked with our congressional delegation, Congressman Grijalva, Congresswoman Giffords, to bring the $63 million, and it was not just me, it was many of us uh, bringing in $63 million to create this streetcar. Infrastructure, public infrastructure leverages private investment. I've always believed that, and we've seen a billion dollars worth of investment downtown. What I want to do is have a 360-degree approach to economic development. We haven't done that. Uh, we must create, and I'm leading on the council now, uh, to create a small business incentive program that helps, that incentivizes small locally owned businesses and startup companies um, to be able to build in the city of Tucson, not just open up, but thrive and grow. And what I'd like to do, I, I agree with Brandy, we, we have to take advantage of the industries that we already have here, um, biotech companies, um, you know, we have many things that we should work on, but I want to make sure that our economic development office has small business navigators, that we expand the staff there, and that we create Tucson as a hub for Mexican and can Canadian companies to relocate here and our companies here to expand to Canada and Mexico. We are, we are, okay, we have the geography to do that. Right. Um, so... Affordable and safe housing is an issue across the city in some places more than others, uh, as is an aging inventory of homes. We have a lot of folks who have owned their homes for a long time. They need repairs. They're expensive. They need assistance. Um, along with that comes, you know, the questions of gentrification and infill. So uh, what is the right balance? How do you strike that balance? And as mayor, what would you do to, to lead on that? And Randy, I think you have. Sure. So um, we have made incredible investment in downtown. When I moved here in 2001, downtown was an economic drain on the community. Businesses were leaving, um, storefronts were empty. And so the investment that's been made has created a real turnaround um, in the community. And it's been largely positive. But there have been some negative consequences. We have to find real solutions to affordability, not made up ones. So first, for people who are living in their homes, um, we do have the Healthy Homes Program uh, that provides up to $40,000 of home improvement that is just not well publicized in the city. There are senior tax exemptions 
There are widow, widower, disabled tax exemptions. These are all programs that already exist that we have not done a good job of promoting within the city. And then when it comes to affordable housing, um, we have right now not just an affordable housing problem, but a housing problem. We have a 94% occupancy rate in rentals around the city. If it goes to 96%, rents rise by 10%. So we need to create all kinds of housing as well as specifically affordable housing. So we need to make sure that we don't just do one and not the other. To create affordable housing, you need funding streams, real funding streams that are not prohibited by state law, real funding streams like um, the low income housing tax credit, which funds 90% of affordable housing throughout the country. Many of the affordable housing uh, projects that have been built right recently have used those, but the parameters have changed. So now we have to create additional funding streams. We need to collaborate with the city and county to do that. We can expand the GPLET and have that um, be focused on affordable housing in certain areas. We can use the new Federal Opportunity Zones program, which enables uh, affordable housing just like we need. It has been used rarely in Tucson, but it's a great new program that I've been to seminars about. Um, and in the end, it is important that we create both more housing and more affordable housing, and we create real solutions, not rhetoric about it. I've been a housing, affordable housing champion for many years, even before I got to the Tucson City Council when I worked with Pima County Neighborhood and Housing Reinvestment Program, um, continuing to work with, um, with Pima County, uh, with the state of Arizona and the federal government. Uh, the city of Tucson receives uh, housing urban development funds that I've been advocating for uh, usage of displacement. And so uh, this year, we, the mayor and council pushed and I let on putting uh, funds, $2 million uh, of housing, housing urban development funds into um, anti-displacement policies. And uh, so I, I think we have to expand on that. Uh, really planning affordability. Um, one of the examples that I can share with you is that working with a Gadsden development company on, uh, on the west side of, of downtown, we talked with the development, with the developer, we talked along with the neighbors, we talked with them about having affordability in their development. And as, as a result, we see the West End Station that has more than 70 units of workforce housing. They use low-income housing tax credits to build that. Another low-income housing tax credit project is the Sentinel Plaza. I work diligently to see continued affordable housing work. Um, the uh, uh, Marist College, which we had a double whammy, we have uh, senior uh, housing affordability, and we preserved a, uh, a historic structure in our downtown. We must, I just led actually in June on creating an anti-displacement task force that will use Pima County uh, Land Trust, Pima County Housing Department, the city of Tucson and South Tucson to, to look at the models and best practices that other cities use. Um, and uh, of course we can use uh, 
housing bonds. The county did it before. And I, I think we have to partner with either the county or have the city of Tucson put those bonds out there uh, to you. build continued affordability. Right. Steve. Well, I, I think you rightly pointed out there's, uh, there's two distinct ways that we can deal with the affordable housing crisis, one of which is we can keep people from being priced out of the homes where they're at right now. Or, and, the, and we do have a major issue through, without this, throughout this city where you have homes that are uh, maybe 60 years old, built with a 50-year life cycle throughout large swaths of the city. And people who are living there can't afford to fix them up. Um, we also have a problem with poverty, where there's a lot of people who don't have good, well-paying jobs. We also have a problem with a shortage of construction skills, skilled construction workers in the industry. I love win-win-win type scenarios, and one that I'm pushing is the idea that we can get together a job training program where you combine the home builders with Kipman Community College, with JTEDs, and you get young people learning construction skills by fixing up people's homes that need their basic systems redone, plumbing, electric, roof, all those types of things in neighborhoods in the city so that people are able to afford to live there longer uh, so, so people can not have to have their roofs leaking and not be able to afford to, to fix them. And so these kids can get a lifetime uh, career that, has, that is necessary all over town. Uh, we can do all these things together at the same time, revitalizing neighborhoods to make this work. Another thing related to that is that we have a challenge right now with big box stores going under because the entire retail economy has changed. We're not going to shop at big boxes anymore. We're ordering big boxes on our porches. Uh, so it, that means there's a whole lot of big areas that could become blights to the adjoining neighborhoods. But if we have a city incentive program to be able to encourage people to redevelop those big boxes and strip malls into mixed-use uh, developments where you've got affordable housing and uh, you've got child care, where you've got business incubators, where you've got parks, you've got dry cleaners and restaurants. Then you create these new urban centers, which you can then connect with high-capacity transit lines and also lower our carbon footprint at the same time as creating jobs and more supply for affordable housing throughout the community and not just in the downtown area. So a follow-up question for that is, um, and just it's a pretty simple question, do you... Um, what are your, do you want um, a specific percentage of in a development affordable housing workforce housing? Is there a, a ratio or a requirement that you have in mind that you you think every development should should include? And I guess Randy. Um, that is prohibited by state law, SB 1070, um, which Steve voted for twice. Um, I mean, SB 1072, sorry, not to, uh, is, uh, um, prohibits inclusionary zoning. So that's mandatory inclusionary in zoning. We, you can do it voluntarily if you negotiate. You can, but she was asking about mandatory and, I um, so. well, so I, in a broader requiring, you said requiring. Yeah. Too? I mean, do you think so, that it is something that the city could or should require? Um, I do not think that it is something the city should require because, as I said, um, first off, we have not only an affordable housing issue, but a housing issue. Really, when you have 94% occupancy in your rentals, um, that is a problem now, and that's why rents are one of the reasons rents are so high, and it's a larger problem waiting to happen. So when you make creating more housing harder, you're going to exacerbate that problem. 
And so while it might sound like a nice uh, solution from a voter standpoint, in the end, it'll be counterproductive. I do believe in working with developers. Um, for example, you could offer greater density for affordable units. I think that that is a great idea to do. Um, in areas where you don't have, where the, the GPLET exists, the government property lease excise tax incentive, it exists because we have needed to incentivize development in certain areas. Developments won't happen there. Otherwise, I've done real estate development for 20 years, and I know firsthand I have an apartment project that I would love to be doing right now, and without the GPLET, I can't get financing for it. So where we don't have uh, that need right now, you could, with GPLETs, ask developers um, to okay. then do affordable homes. Right. But you shouldn't thwart the development you're trying to create in the first okay. place. All right. I believe that we have to plan for affordability. And as the next mayor of Tucson, um, we have an opportunity. Right now, as we speak, we don't have a housing community development department director. The next mayor should help make sure that we have that we have a, a good housing director that is, will plan for affordability. I'm, I'm moving to your point. <laughs> I'm moving no, to your I'm, point. I'm wondering, is that sure. job exist and it's empty? It's, it's, it, or it's, it doesn't it exist. And it is empty okay. right now. So, um, uh, so we have to plan for affordability um, and every development is different. Being on the council, uh, knowing the intricacies that it takes to put together development agreements mm -hmm. and um, and working with the development community, we have to, first and foremost, I do believe that we should sit down as a mayor and council and have goals for, uh, for housing, for afford housing affordability, even in, uh, in developments that private developers do. Um, I, I think that our incentives that we have, specifically downtown and the infill incentive district, um, those are options for developers to to use as a city of Tucson. I believe we we should um, get much more out of those GPLETs and infill incentive districts uh, to partner and work just like I did with the Gadsden Development Company to plan for affordability in development. And so. Um, I, I, I believe that we should have those goals. I believe that the incentives we currently have, we should sit down with developers and say, okay, this is this is what we'd like to see when we use these incentives. And so that is one way. Another way of, uh, of uh, bringing in additional funds for affordable housing is by the opportunity zones that we have. It is by using low-income housing tax credits. It's by using nonprofit um, developers that actually are dedicated, like Chicanos por la Causa is one example, Primavera Home Builders, Habitat for Humanity, right. using the Pima County Land Trust to create permanent affordability uh, to continue providing that um, for Tucsonans. Okay, and then Steve. Well, the uh, any develop development agreement is negotiation. And if a developer is going to be getting tax incentives from the public, then the mayor's job is to make sure that the public gets a return on that investment that is at least as much as what we put into it. And that can come in many different forms. Uh, this doesn't have to be something where there's a, a mandatory or a battle going on between the developer and the city. 
but these negotiations can be something where where the uh, the uh, the city and the people of the city get more into it than what they get give from it. That means not just money, but also if we decide as a city that we don't have enough affordable housing, which seems pretty clear, then we can find the developers to work with who may want to have that incentive to put certain affordable housing in their development. Um, you can make the case that affordable housing is probably a growth market here in Tucson, so I think there's a lot of developers willing to do projects to make that work all over town. And if you do them in, in innovative ways, such as redeveloping areas like the, the big box stores, um, then you've created a whole new market for people to be able to develop in that area and make that happen. Um, so it's just really, really important to, to realize that the mayor's job is to represent the people and the taxpayers and make sure that any tax deal we do with a developer is going to be profiting the taxpayers, not the developer. The developer's job is to make sure they have enough profit to make it work. That's not the mayor's job. Uh, we've, one of the things that we've done at the Star Opinion pages is we've really focused on early childhood education. And Thank you. Um, That's really thank important. You. Thank you. Um, so I guess you probably just answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're unanimous. So just yeah. to be on the record, um, do you think the city should help low-income families pay for high-quality preschool and then um, with taxpayer money? And as mayor, would you be a part of any coalition that was um, with that goal in mind? And I think we're starting with Regina. Right? I don't have to be mayor to be part of that coalition. <laughs> I already believe in it. I'm a council member, and I and I have signed on to uh, the universal pre-K program uh, that Pima County has been talking about. Um, you know, I'm a product product uh, product of public schools. I am um, the first in my family to attend uh, university, and first in my family to graduate. And so, I've seen. I've been personally. Um, been uh, a product of a good public education. It has completely changed our economy um, as a family, as a person, and as a family. And so uh, education is the great equalizer. I have two children in, in TUSD schools, and, and, and I, I'm you know, very proud that I have the endorsement of Kathy Hoffman, the new superintendent of public instruction. Um, and I will do anything we possibly can, whether it's partnering with Pima County um, and here in the city of Tucson to, to pass a universal pre-K program. The reason it's important to try this, we have the research. We know that investing in children at an early age really changes the, the outcome of that child. And um, it is much better to invest in a child early on than to pour money down into private prisons, especially here in the state of Arizona. And so, um, you know, I'm, I, I will do everything as mayor. I want to put together a task force working with the Metropolitan Education Commission, with the community, uh, with U of A, Pima College, JTED, uh, so that we can make sure that we are not only passing universal pre-K, but expanding programs like KIDCO, which is something that I I helped save in the city of Tucson during the Great Recession um, and, uh, and, and expand the quality of life. For far too long, we have been um, uh, working on the symptoms of poverty. We have to attack poverty at the root of the problem. 
and that would be a universal pre-K would be one amazing way that we can that we can work on it. Well, my parents were both public school teachers. My daughters both went through Tucson public schools, and I have been advocating against the devastating cuts in the legislature for my entire time up there. Uh, I saw the effects when my daughter was going to Tucson High in particular to this, what has happened and what our schools and our teachers and our students and their families have been suffering from. That's why I was so excited to work with the Red for Ed movement uh, last year and help leverage their power to be able to get move Doug Ducey off of a last and best offer of $30 million of new funding this year to a final budget of $415 million in new funding for public schools this year. Uh, we, have, we have to invest in our public schools. That's still not enough. We have to continue to push the state to do that at a K-12 level and to restore our Pima Community College funding that hasn't been in place since 2009, as well as our university funding. Uh, but to really start all off, we need to have an excellent preschool program. And uh, yes, it's expensive to do high-quality preschool, maybe $10,000 a year for a kid. But the data is clear. If you're spending 10000 bucks a year to, to get an excellent preschool education for a kid at age 3 and 4, you're not going to be spending $50,000 a year to incarcerate that kid in their 20s and 30s, as well as all the other social things that, that, that don't happen when, when you, you, you give them an early education. So I'm excited about the prospect of using innovative finance techniques like uh, social impact bonds to do that. The basic idea being that there are real costs that the city will not be paying and the county will not be paying and the state will not be paying in the future. And I think we need to do this collaboratively to make this happen. And I have a great track record of working collaboratively with all those areas. Um, then you won't be you, you get the money in advance from investors and then you pay half to the investors, half to the, the, the taxpayers once you're not paying to incarcerate that kid down the line. This seems like a great way of doing it. It's already been proven in Salt Lake City, as you pointed out in, in, uh, in your articles. Um, and it's, it can be used in a lot of other areas as well. I mean, I, I think homelessness is another great place where we see actual lowered civic costs um, in addition when you put the money up front. So, so I, when you say you're, you're talking about social impact bonds, yeah. and, but would you, do you think it's appropriate to use city money um, from the general fund or another source, uh, taxpayer money to, to fund universal? Fund well, absolutely. Can. You can't okay. get the social impact bond investors to fund in something you're not already investing in. Okay. And, okay. I, and I think that's something that we can do to basically prime the pump, get that going, and invest in. And I think it's a great investment for anybody, including uh, public funds, okay. because we will get also get the return on our right. investment down the line. And that's just monetary investment. The social impact, right. the, the, invest, the, the fact when you have people contributing to society and, and creating jobs is, it creates this really multiplying yes. factor that's really, right. really exciting as you think about public finance in a different way. Yes. So. Okay. You packed a lot. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm a finance geek. <laughs> you could be like the speed reader at the, at the, on the radio. The okay, Randy. Yes, well, education is absolutely key. Um, it is pathway out of poverty. It's um, vital for us to becoming a thriving 21st century city. And I fully support a universal pre-K program with the county. And I would support... Um, the city investing funds in it in collaboration with the county. Um, research is clear that when you invest in early childhood education, the dividends pay off with a multiplier. 
um, and you prevent uh, incarceration as well as other negative outcomes um, in the future. Um, but you know, education is important. Even though the mayor and council don't have direct power over education, it's important that we support it in so many ways. Um, we need to be supporting the First Things First program for kids zero to five. Um, I've done a lot of work with Make Way for Books, which is another incredible program. The current mayor has done a great job with Steps to Success, and I would like to continue that as well. Um, I have other ideas on how we can support public education. We have done a good job in supporting the Community Schools Program, and that's where schools where kids have a high rate of poverty and trauma, um, where services come in to surround not just the kids, but the families as well. Um, things like healthcare, after-school programs. The number one reason kids miss school is because of dental problems and in schools where they brought a dentist into these community schools, um, attendance rates have doubled in just three months in some instances. That is a program that the city can promote and support. I also would like for the U of A and Pima Community College to provide library cards to their libraries for all uh, juniors and seniors in our public schools so that those kids can become socialized to higher education and become comfortable on those campuses. Okay. 